Hey everybody, and welcome to AQ's Blog and Grill. Today we're really excited to have Michael Brenner join us. Now, if you follow the blogosphere, and if you follow content marketing, and uh, and sure you should, you know who Michael Brenner is. He's one of the top 50, probably top 25 uh, bloggers on content marketing. And he's written a, a new book. We're gonna talk a little bit about that today. It's called The uh, Content Formula. And what is really special about this piece is that he addresses ROI. Now, does anybody work for a company that every once in a while, someone from the finance department's drop by your desk and say, hey, are we getting our investment back on all of this marketing we're doing? Michael Brenner is gonna tell us how you can answer that question. Michael, welcome. Thanks, Alan, great to be here. Great to have you back again. So, the new book, The Content Formula. Tell us a little bit about this and what, what was the instigation? What was the motivation to, uh, to get it written? Yeah. Um, I like to explain this book is it's one that escaped versus one that we plan to write. Uh, what happened was uh, the story is we gave um, myself and a former colleague from NewsCred gave a webinar about a year ago on content marketing ROI, and it was very, very practical. And I, by practical, I mean there was 200 slides filled with math calculations, and we were dreading it, and it was really hard to, to present. And, uh, you know, it's, it's hard to present math, right? Who the heck wants to join and spend 45 minutes discussing formulas? And we had over 1,000 people show up. Uh, we had dozens and dozens of positive comments come in afterwards. 12, I think it was 11 or 12 people commented that they wished we had written a book. Oh. And so, uh, so the, way, the way the story goes is we literally turned those 220 slides or whatever it was into a, a, about an 80 to 100 page manuscript and, and it handed it over to a, a book designer and layout specialist and, and we were live on Amazon the day after Thanksgiving. Isn't that great? And what are you hearing now from the people that requested the book and now the book's out? What kind of feedback are we getting? We've been really overwhelmed, and I have to tell you, I, again, like the webinar, I thought that uh, writing a book about math was going to be the, the quickest way to a slow death, uh, <laughs> but the feedback was so positive, and that's why you know, we, we really wrote it because it's the biggest question we hear. Sure. What's the return on investment in content marketing? I think the question often comes in the form of, of fear as opposed to actual mm -hmm. desire to, right. to define their ROI. I think people are like, oh, well, what's this content marketing stuff? Maybe you should prove the ROI to me. Yeah. You know, and so my, my first step is always to say, well, do you know the ROI marketing overall? Because if you don't know the answer to that question, you don't really care what the ROI is of content marketing. You're just, it's a defense mechanism against doing what you know you should be doing. Right. So I try to start with where people are and get through that resistance first and then say, okay, now if you really do want to know the return on investment, it's a math problem. You have to know investment mm -hmm. in order to calculate return. And so let's get through that process. And, you know, here's basically, it's, it's essentially 10, 10 formulas that any business can use to define the ROI. That's great. You know, for years I've been able to squeak by that explanation by saying, well, what we're really looking for is return on influence or return on involvement. And the financial team still just look at me and go, come on, you know, show me the money. Yeah. And I, you, then you, as you say, you can return that question to them and say, well, what are we getting on the traditional programs? What are we getting? Well, unfortunately, not enough people know the answer to that one either. So... Well, not only that, but it's. I think we overestimate the amount of concern that senior executives have about the return on certain investments, right? Like, 
you know, I, I use in my in my webinar that I just I just did a webinar where I represented sort of the high the executive sort of uh, summary of the book, and that's the 142 slides. And right. I start the that presentation with what's the ROI of your logo on a stadium? You know, we just had the Super Bowl last night. Right. I know for a fact that there was not a return on investment conversation that went into that decision. Right. It was the CEO saying, I want to be involved in a major sports team where mm -hmm. we have a huge office and a lot of employees, yep. and so let's get it up there. And there was no discussion on the return. So it's not to say they're bad things to do. It's The point is not enough executives are asking their marketing teams what the return is on their investment right. activities. Well, good for you. Now. Michael, you're, you're going off into a, a new venture now. Uh, we're filming this in uh, the first week of February. Um, what is it that you're up to? Because we're excited to find out. Yeah, so I, uh, you know, after being asked this question by a lot of the folks that I've worked with over the last couple of years, um, of, hey, you know, can you just come work with our company independently and help us define a content marketing strategy um, that, that delivers a program that, that we can use to show demon, demonstrated results for our business. And it, the, the question often comes in that form. Like we don't want to just do stuff because it's the latest trend. We want to build, we want to, you know, sort of create marketing that works. And, and, I, and I think we're going to talk about that in a little bit. Mm -hmm. So, so I've, I've kind of taken them up on their, uh, on their question. Right. And have decided to take the risk, and and you know it's a, it's a scary leap of faith for anyone that's done it, and I know you've done it as well. And um, so now I'm off on my own and trying. To, I'm hanging the shingle, as they say, and and hoping to um, hoping to generate some uh, some amazing referral clients mm -hmm. with, uh, with effective content marketing programs. I I think you're going to do very well in this area because you're you're a thought leader. You take risks, and that's what companies need. Now you've also said in the past that. Uh, marketing is broken. How do you fix marketing now? What's, what's, first of all, what's broken and then what, what's the solution? So the line that I use is that marketing has a marketing problem. Mm -hmm. And what I mean by that is, is, is exactly what we all think of as marketing. I remember this page literally in a, in a textbook that I studied in, mar in my marketing 101 course. And it was like a loop and it was basically there's the, the company over here and the customer over there and there was a line that went this way and a line that went that way and that was marketing. It was the conversation that happened between a, a, a company and the customer. Mm -hmm. um, and then I got out in the real world and I learned the four P's. It's product, promotion, place, and price. And, and what people really think of when, they, when you ask them what marketing is is promotion. That's what I think is broken. Marketing is so much more than promotion. And yet – We've lived on this under this cloud of, of um, you know, the famous quote that, you know, I know that 50% of my advertising is effective. I just don't know which 50%. Well, you know, I think we've accepted that, mm -hmm. except that now, you know, with banner ads with a 99.99% ignore rate, you know, we're, we're, there's no longer a 50% effective rate right. for advertising. It's much, much less. And, and we should be able to quantify it, right? So I think there's a number of factors involved with why marketing is broken. And the the way that this really represents itself, and I'll, and I'll stop talking here in a second, mm -hmm. I promise. <laughs> you got me off on a tangent. You got me in a rant. <laughs> the point is that if you go ask CEOs what marketing is, they think it's the logo on a stadium that mm -hmm. they that their ego wants to place there. Right. And they don't have any desire to, to understand the return on it because it's an ego buy. And so my point is that marketing is broken because of that situation, and we need to fix it. And the way to fix it is to, to walk into the boardroom with numbers that are blessed by the CFO mm -hmm. and to show that, hey, you asked us to do this 
and we said no because it wasn't going to drive a return. Instead, we did this and look at the business we created by these by this program. So that's how we fix marketing. We fix it by doing the things that work, and then we fix it by showing the CEO with the CFO's blessing how we produce the demonstrated return on the, uh, on the investment. Right. So, how important then is is the customer in this whole? ecosystem. I mean, in the 50s and 60s and 70s and 80s and 90s, it was still about the unique selling proposition. Now, is it about the unique buying proposition from the customer's point of view? Is that, is that true? Absolutely. Embedded in all of that rant is, is a, a requirement and a need for customer focus that makes sense. And everybody, it's easy, so easy to say that, right? Well, companies need to put their customers first. I've been inside enough companies to know that it's a very small minority of companies that truly put the customer first. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Steve Jobs had this relentless focus on design. Mm -hmm. The relentless focus, though, was on delivering a product to customers that they would love, right? right? And you can break it down to that, that simple of a statement. They wanted to create stuff that people would love. The best companies in the world create things that people love. And so the focus is on that customer experience. The focus is on the feeling you generate when somebody touches your products. It's not on the delivery mechanism, the product itself, or, or the way you get the product to the customer, which is the main focus for most companies. Right. It's so easy to say and so difficult to do. Yeah. So who is getting the, the customer experience right and, and combining that through their, their content marketing? Does any firm come to mind? Well, uh, it's, my, it's probably the second biggest question I get okay. after, after the return on investment. And so um, as I love to do, I love to point people to a blog post. <laughs> <laughs> and so if you go on SlideShare or you check out my blog, you'll see 99 amazing examples of content marketing uh, from brands, and um, uh, the slideshare I, th I think has more than 10,000 pages. I'm not exactly sure, but it, it gets a lot of traffic because people want to know the answer to the question. Right. So, you know, the ones that I use when I talk to prospects, I say, imagine that you owned the category. So, so if you're if you're selling software, imagine that you owned software.com, right. and L'Oreal has done that. They own makeup.com. Right. Great example of content yep. marketing. Another example I love is imagine you, uh, I say, imagine you own the target persona, the people you're trying to reach. Adobe owns CMO.com. If you're a CMO or an aspiring CMO, which most of their customers probably are, and you type in like advice for CMOs, you're going to probably find yourself landing on CMO.com. What company wouldn't want to own that digital experience? Mm -hmm. I, I love American Express, which has been yeah. an often, often used example of content marketing success. But, yep. but the main reason people use it is because they say that it's the number one driver of new leads for their, for their small card division. Interesting. Um, they're generating business through content marketing. Mm -hmm. Now, what, what should I be looking for if I'm going to be putting together or a company's going to be putting together a couple of people to handle content marketing? Is there, are there some things that stick out? Well, I think the first one, and you know, I was this, I, I was in this role at mm -hmm. SAP. Right. You know, sixty thousand employees collectively agreed as a marketing organization, content marketing was important, and yet I was given no budget and no people to get it done. There you go. Yep. <laughs> and so, and so, but what I what I found was that expertise existed all over the company. Mm -hmm. Answers to our customer. You know, I love to say content marketing is not hard or expensive. 
It just It's just a matter of gathering the expertise that sits inside your company. And if your company is two people, there's a ton of expertise inside those two people's heads. Right. And the easiest way to extract it is to go to their email outbox. Look at the items that they've sent in response to customers and analysts and, and bankers. Yeah. They've answered the biggest questions that those people have in their email. So just go gather that and turn it into blog posts. So, wow. But, but what it requires is someone – and this is the role I had to play was an individual who can think think like a publisher, and transfer that expertise into into literally articles. Mm -hmm. You know, things you can publish articles, videos, slide shares, or you know whatever the case may be. Right. So the first thing you need is that uh, is that one person that can think from an from an editorial point of view. How do I turn the expertise we have as a company? into content that people might read or share. There you go. I mean, it seems to me that the best content creation is coming from people who consider themselves to be brand journalists or publishers and editors of good content because they know how to write a story. I think you're absolutely right. Some people argue with brand publishing as a term or whether journalists and, and editors from the publishing industry can survive. And I think the point, though, is is what you said is People that need to that that know how to think about how to create content. I love this. I love to use the sarcasm in this word. See if you can pick it up. Content people actually want, yeah. right? And if you take that question, it's that sarcastic statement. It's not a question, although it is a question. Yeah. Apply it to the content brands create. You, you'll you can get very quickly depressed. Yeah. Now, video has come on the scene uh, the last couple of years. And there's no question it's not going to go away. How do you feel about the use of video in effective content marketing? Well, number one, it's extremely important. And, you know, the Cisco stat has been around for five years now, but it was by 2017, 97% of the internet would be video. And, and what it comes down to is the bandwidth that video takes up is taking up so much right. of the bandwidth that, that uh, you know, the infrastructure of the internet sits on. However, I caution brands to put video second. And the reason I say that is that it's important to publish content that provides your expertise, entertains, educates your audience in a volume way, right? It's not that we need more crap. It's that we need more better stuff, right? We need right. more high quality right. content delivered. So my advice is to figure out that volume machine from a text-based mm -hmm. basis first. Right. Then apply what you've learned into generating more of the formats that people are interested in, like video and like photos on Instagram and and you know infographics and but those things like it's you know an infographic might be ten grand, an article's five hundred bucks. So you know a video might be fifteen grand, an article's five hundred bucks. So think about how to do the volume quality thing first. Mm -hmm then figure out how to apply it with video. One of the best ways to do it, I love uh, the term explainer videos. Yes. You know, you, you know, you can do them, get a, get a videographer um, from, you know, the local uh, college, um, go to their studio even, spend 30 seconds explaining the answer to a key customer question, have them edit it up, and you can get those done for a couple hundred bucks. Right. Think about how to do those before you start getting into like, some brands are doing a really good job with documentaries and long form mm -hmm. videos. So it, it's, yeah. It's it's going to perform if you do it well. Yeah, which is, is kind of interesting because you've made this point before in, in one of your blog points about uh, what term really bugs you and native advertising seems to get under your skin in terms of, well, is it is it really native? Is it uh, publisher-sponsored? Is it an advertorial? And we keep, we keep bringing up new buzzwords to cover 
something that I think you and I know very well what it actually is. You're uh, you're trying to get me all worked out. I today. am. I am. <laughs> no, the, the the thing that gets me going with native is I I had an argument with an editor of a major publication a few weeks ago, who said that content marketing is an is a subset of native advertising, and and the way and, and I had to try to very gently you know kind of contain myself and very gently explain to her that that native advertising is in some ways um, the opposite of content marketing. Now, I hedge myself and I'll explain that in a bit. In a bit but um, to kind of get quickly to my point, I see a, th a couple of key components that define content marketing. Number one, it sits on a brand-owned destination, right? Okay. So content marketing, the difference between a piece of content, like an ad or a white paper, um, and content marketing is a destination, right? So a publisher-like experience that might be owned by a brand. Mm -hmm. AdobeCNO.com and Makeup.com are great examples of that. They act like publishers. They publish every single day, great content. It looks and feels like a publisher experience, but it's owned by, by a brand. So the destination is important. By definition, a native ad is sitting on someone else's destination. It's a Forbes or a um, Digiday or a Wall Street Journal or New York Times owned site. So it, it is not content marketing because you don't own it. Number two, um, content marketing is continuous, right? It's it's you publish every single day. CNN, I love to say CNN doesn't wake up and decide, hey, there's not a lot going on in Europe today, so they're not going to publish anything about the European markets. No, of course they publish every day about every market they cover. And so a native ad, by definition, is an ad, which is a one-time thing. It's a campaign. Right. And so those are two of the three. The third point I would make, and this is where it gets a little tricky, is I, don't, I think content marketing puts customers first. Advertising often promotes the brand right. first. Yep. Now, it's not to say that you can't provide promotional content in a full content marketing experience. And, and I'm also going to say that native advertising can be a way to distribute some of your best content. Right as long as it originated on a, a brand-owned destination. So I'm hedging myself now a little yeah, bit. But the point is that on two of the three major points of the content marketing definition, native ads are, are, are in, in, a, in opposite of, of that definition. Okay, so we're going we're gonna to wrap this up, Michael, and thank you very much for your time. Uh, but I, I need to ask you a question that we all are wondering about. And that's, you know, the time when you were um, kidnapped by aliens, and um, let's think about that. Uh, but let's say that those aliens kept you for three years. So you, you're coming back to Earth. So what's new? What, do you, what has changed in the three years you've been away? Uh, what's changed in content marketing since you've been away? Mm -hmm. I think that what's happening is there's a significant shift happening away from advertising that interrupts content experiences mm -hmm. and towards content that, that creates the, the kind of experiences we want. Right. Brands are going to get significantly involved in that. So imagine a world in the future that had no ads. Right, so that's that's the the world I'm gonna I'm gonna land back on in 2019. Okay. So I think the Minority Report, you know, sort of future personalization, I think, will be a key part, but not ads. It'll be personalized content, mm -hmm. and and in many ways supported by ads. Right. So Netflix was not a TV producer, un, uh, you know, until very recently they were a company that shipped discs out. Right. Yes. And now they produce shows. Now they're in the entertainment industry. Um, Amazon is now a, a you know a, a movie and TV production house. Um, Joe Polizzi has been predicting um, major brands buying publisher uh, mm -hmm. um, media companies. I think that that's going to happen, and so you know you're going to see content like you know back to the soap opera days from P and G, where yes. instead of ads during the show, P and G is going to be underwriting the shows. Yes. 
that's where the term soap opera comes from, for Pete's sakes. Exactly. And yeah, I think you're right. I think it's going to go that way for sure. Well, Michael, it's been a wonderful opportunity to chat to you. We've all learned a lot today, and uh, we look forward to your, uh, your new venture. Uh, let's all get a copy of uh, Michael's book. I have the cover right here. It's available on Amazon. Mm-hmm. There it is right there. So there we go. Again, Michael Brenner, thanks very much for joining us today on AQ's Blog and Grow. Thanks, Alan. Thanks. Okay, see you later. Take care. AQ's Blog and Grill.